Good morning. It's 11 minutes before 8 a.m. You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW in Sitka. Today is Wednesday, November 15th, 2023. I'm Peter Apathy with Raven News. A U.S. Coast Guard helicopter crashed around 10.40 p.m. Monday night on Reed Island in Farragut Bay, about 22 miles northwest of Petersburg. There were four crew members aboard and all survived. Two personnel were severely injured in the crash. The other two received only minor injuries. The crew of the downed Jayhawk helicopter were on their way from Air Station Sitka to assist the Lydia Marie, a commercial crabbing vessel which was taking on water near Farragut Bay. Following the helicopter crash, U.S. Coast Guard cutters Elderberry and Douglas Denman responded to the flooding vessel. At the time of the initial response, the crew of the Lydia Marie had contained the flooding to a manageable level. Several agencies, including Petersburg Search and Rescue and EMS, came to assist the downed helicopter. Air Station Sitka sent another helicopter to take all four crew members to Petersburg Medical Center. They were later evacuated to Seattle for a higher level of care. District 17 spokesperson Petty Officer First Class Shannon Kearney told KFSK the Coast Guard doesn't have any preliminary information on the cause of the crash. We are working to launch a full investigation and any information that we get from the investigation will be forthcoming with. Petersburg Search and Rescue volunteers reported strong winds and snowfall in the area. According to the National Weather Service, there was reduced visibility across the area from rain and snowstorms and wind speeds that reached up to 45 miles per hour. Sitkins will see some extra money in their residential utility accounts soon. Last night, the Sitka Assembly approved a measure to distribute just over $1 million in utility account credits. The one-time $300 payment will be applied to residential utility accounts this December. It adds up to about a 5% reduction in the average annual residential utility bill. The move to distribute utility credits to Sitkins comes after record tourism and high sales tax returns spurred a budget surplus at the end of the city's fiscal year. The Assembly put another $4 million of the surplus into a sinking fund for future infrastructure repairs and replacement. The Assembly did not approve the measure unanimously. It passed 5-2 to two with Assembly members Scott Saline and Tor Christensen opposed. We'll have more on the Assembly's discussion of the $300 utility credit and other matters on Raven News tonight at 518. The Alaska Seafood Marketing Institute, a partially government-funded organization focused on promoting the state's seafood, held its all-hands-on-deck conference in Anchorage earlier this month. Some of the seafood industry's top experts presented on the state of the market. Kristen Dobroth is the Alaska reporter for Undercurrent News, a commercial fishing and seafood trade magazine. She was at the conference and sat down with KMXT's Brian Venua to chat about the state of the seafood industry. So, Kristen, this was ASME's annual meeting. Can you tell us a little bit about what it was like? What would you say were some of the overarching themes at the conference? Well, the big consensus was definitely how bad market conditions are across Alaska's fisheries right now. There's been a lot of attention on low base prices paid out to fishermen for salmon this year, but I think it's worth pointing out that ex-vessel and wholesale prices, so that's money paid to harvesters and then money that's paid to processors for bulk product, 
They're at some of the lowest levels they've been at in decades, if not ever, across multiple species in Alaska, including salmon. Prices have crashed across the pollock sector and also for typically really lucrative species like sablefish or black cod. So that really set the tone for the conference. So would you say that was kind of like the elephant in the room? Oh, definitely. I heard the situation compared probably a dozen times to a term fishermen in Alaska are familiar with, a willowa, which is kind of like a violent storm that comes down to the sea suddenly from the mountains. ASME's board of directors published an open letter before the conference even began citing what they called extraordinary circumstances that have led to this price collapse. In the letter, they said fishermen were having trouble making boat payments right now. On the other hand, processors are also struggling with cash flow. It painted a pretty dire picture, and that was really a pervasive theme at this conference, both how to navigate this historic situation that's hitting pretty much every species in Alaska, and then what the year ahead might look like. And to zoom in a little bit, salmon fishers especially have been pretty outspoken about frustration over pricing this year, Mm -hmm. and processors have been pretty quick to blame those low prices on huge hauls over the last few years. How much is that playing into things, and are there any updates on moving that older inventory? Yeah, both of those things, huge harvests and leftover inventory, has continued to be difficult. And again, not just for salmon, but there are a lot of market conditions that are making moving that product really tough. Inflation is a huge one. One analyst who presented at the ASME conference pointed out that grocery prices are up 30 percent since before the pandemic. Other panelists at the event talked about struggles with the Japanese economy. That's been a big trading partner for the Alaska seafood industry. The ASME Board of Directors letter I mentioned before also outlined ongoing effects of the trade war with China. Um, That's also historically been a big market for seafood products from Alaska. Russian had big harvests of pollock and pink salmon this year, just like in Alaska. Another big takeaway from the conference is that consumers have just changed since the pandemic, and that also presents a real challenge. And you kind of mentioned these trade wars, and especially let's talk about the one with Russia. There's been a lot of finger pointing at them and their role in this. Alaska's congressional delegation has said part of the issue is that while Russia's embargoed American seafoods, U.S. consumers are still buying Russian products after they get processed in places like China. Right. Senators Murkowski and Sullivan and Representative Peltola have continued a pretty united push to close this processing loophole you mentioned of Russian seafood, which is banned in the U.S., entering the domestic market by way of processing facilities in China. They have reiterated that demand in interviews and at every gathering of seafood industry people I've been to this year, including during pre-taped remarks at the Alaska Seafood Marketing Institute conference. Senator Dan Sullivan's office has indicated recently there's been some progress with that, but Congress is also on a time crunch to fund the government by November 17th, so it's unclear what will happen by then. Yeah, and uh, ASME's focus is obviously marketing and stirring demand, including developing stronger consumer bases here in the states. Have you heard of any interesting efforts or bold strategies to build more interest either domestically or internationally? Well, a bright spot domestically is purchases from the U.S. Department of Agriculture for domestic food aid programs. So far, USDA has purchased more than $200 million worth of mostly Alaskan pollock and salmon products this year. 
But there's also been a push across the industry, and this is domestically and internationally, to increase some sort of Alaska or product of USA labeling standard. And that was a big conversation piece at the conference. Several analysts who study consumer behavior told attendees that people look for products that say they're wild caught or Alaskan when they're in the store. And it's worth um, in that same point to point out that Senator Murkowski has also been very vocal about creating some sort of an Alaska specific brand. So with all this said, what do you think were some of the most important things for our listeners, especially fishermen, that they need to know about ASME's efforts and kind of the state of seafood markets in general? Well, one thing that came up several times, including during ASME's board of directors meeting the last day of the conference, was the need to better communicate with the fleet, both market conditions so commercial fishermen know what to expect, and also what's actually happening to market Alaska seafood products. But like I said before, this is a really tough time for the entire industry. Prices are down for just about everyone. And I think the biggest takeaway that I heard was that there are a lot of people working on how to get through it. Well, thanks for taking the time to talk to us today, Kirsten. Thanks, Brian. That was KMXT's Brian Vanua talking with Undercurrent News Alaska reporter Kirsten Dobroff. Communities will have to adapt as melting caused by climate change transforms the environment across Alaska. That's the prevailing message from a new federal climate report out yesterday. White House National Climate Advisor Ali Zaidi introduced the fifth National Climate Assessment in a press conference. The National Climate Assessment provides us really uh, both the topography of the risk as it cascades through our economy, touching every sector, every segment of the economy, as well as the atlas of opportunity. For Alaska, some of the most pressing risks are posed by declining sea ice, thawing permafrost, and erosion. And those environmental changes threaten health, food security, livelihood, and cultural practices. The Alaska chapter of the assessment shows how human-caused climate change can make existing problems like poor sanitation and limited housing stock worse, especially in rural communities. And for a state that already faces high grocery prices and food insecurity, declining sea ice and changing weather patterns will disrupt both commercial and subsistence harvests with documented declines in salmon, crab, and berries. These changes are more deeply felt by Alaska Native communities, where traditional foods are important for cultural and spiritual well-being. Arati Provaker is the director of the White House Office of Science and Technology. She says laying out these problems in the assessment will help Americans in Alaska and elsewhere form their adaptation plans. Much more work is needed to fully overcome the climate crisis. And for all the work that's still ahead, we need a foundation of clear, factual, rigorous data and evidence. This is how people across America can prepare for and respond to the climate crisis. Many municipal and tribal governments are already making plans to deal with Alaska's changing climate. But the assessment emphasizes the need to support rural tribal communities and engage indigenous knowledge holders along the way. And that's all for Raven News for this hour. You can listen to or read our stories again on our website, kcaw.org. Well, thank you.